Life Audio. Hey there, welcome to the Homeschooling Families Podcast. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. On today's show, I'm thrilled to welcome Maria to the program to tell her story of how God's plan and timing were just right in reaching her heart through a shoebox gift in Ukraine. Now, by now, I hope you know that David and I are huge supporters of Operation Christmas Child because of the impact that ministry is having on children and families all around the world. And we've become more and more eager to get families involved at a deeper level and make sure that all of you are aware of the amazing evangelism and discipleship activities they're doing all year long. I can't stress enough what a great opportunity you have to engage with them and get your children involved in ministry through them, no matter what age your kiddos are. In the show notes for this episode, I'm going to link other episodes we've done, sharing stories and ideas for families like yours to get involved in the mission. So be sure to check all those out. Most of these episodes would be ideal to listen to with your children, and I'd encourage you to do so. They'll get even more excited about the impact they can make through their gift of a shoebox as they hear how God has used those gifts in the past. National Collection Week for Operation Christmas Child is coming up November 13th through the 20th, and you can get all the details about how your family can participate in this ministry by going to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash OCC. So stay tuned. I'll be right back with Maria right after this short break. Hey, you guys, I am so excited to be back with you again this week. Uh, We have another guest with us who is with Operation Christmas Child. And for those who haven't heard the other podcast that we've done with OCC, this is a ministry that David and I believe in deeply. And we want to make sure that you guys know all about the impact that they're having around the world. But even more than that, we want you to get involved in that. We want you to see how your gifts, how your time, how your prayers can be so impactful. And I believe that today's guest will do a great job of painting you a picture of just how impactful your ministry can be through Operation Christmas Child. So I want you to join me in welcoming Maria to the podcast today. Maria, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. What a privilege. Well, you are very, very welcome. I am excited to hear your story. I'm excited for you to tell others about how God used Operation Christmas Child in your life, both when you were younger as well as, you know, now that you're grown. So could you tell us a little bit about your story, where you're coming from and how you kind of how the Lord orchestrated your being involved with Operation Christmas Child? I was born and raised in a beautiful country of Ukraine, which has been in the news quite a bit lately. So thank you so much for praying for peace in Ukraine. But I was born during another very challenging time in Ukraine's history. It was 1991 when the Soviet Union fell apart and our country was now a free country, but we had to figure out how to create our own government and kind of get back on our feet in the world economy. And it really brought a lot of challenges. Some of your listeners may know about that. And I was born that year. So I obviously don't remember all the details, but I do remember stories. And my parents talk about a time where you would go to a store and the shelves would literally be empty 
Or if something is shipped in, you better buy because you don't know when you're going to see that item again. Same with the food. There was many shortages. And so people would stand in bread lines, milk lines for a very long time, bright and early in the morning. I don't have like personal memories of that because by the time I was a little girl, things have gotten a little bit better. And I just remember getting money from my parents to go get a loaf of bread or get a quart of milk, you know. But those are, I guess, like an economic situation in the country. As far as my individual family, my parents were both Christians. And so they were faithful believers who went to church every time doors were open, who served in the church, who loved people in their community and neighborhoods. And they also believed, I'm sure you know the passage in Psalm 127, that children are a heritage from the Lord. They're a gift, a reward. And so they really just trusted that God was going to fill their family with as many kids as he pleases, as he sees fit. And so that really made us stand out from our neighbors, from people in our city and the community and Instead of having, you know, a boy and a girl and a dog and a cat, maybe our family was full of kids and I was the oldest. I have the privilege of being a firstborn. And then every year since I had a brother and a sister or a sister join our family. Currently, we have eight in our family. So I have five brothers and two sisters. Wow. But yeah, during that time, my parents did have fantastic job just protecting us from the evil of the world. We grew up in a very happy, joyful environment. Uh, my parents made sure that they spent lots of quality time with us. I still have memories of just hanging out with our dog in the evening. He worked a regular nine to five as an electrician. And my mom was actually a nurse. So she would go to work uh, all sorts of weird shifts and many of them were nights uh, because that's when dad was home so he can watch us and <laughs> dad was kind of responsible for doing homework with us and you know playing with us taking us to a park and all those things and that was that was our childhood and we kind of honestly didn't know anything different right. like we did have friends in the neighborhood but honestly like my parents kind of made it look like that's how everybody does it well, that is, that sounds very idyllic. My question, though, is how, how then did you and your family get involved with Operation Christmas Child? So it wasn't until we came to the United States, but when we were still, I guess, in Ukraine, growing up, like I said, financially, it was a bit challenging for our family because there was so many kids and the pay wasn't all that great. Sometimes parents didn't even get paid. And so <laughs> my parents made the best of it. They trusted God and God provided uh, so many times. I, I remember like sometimes even waking up in the middle of the night and my parents are praying to God and asking for like food. They're asking for rice, pasta, things that you know would last a little bit longer or honestly even bread. And it would kind of get me concerned for a little bit until the next morning when we woke up there's a random box of rice 
sitting on our like doorstep. We had no idea where it came from, <laughs> who sent it, but we clearly knew somebody had to pack it, right? And somebody who didn't, I don't know how they knew our family, but I, we saw like God's provision so frequently. And the same with like clothes. Many times somebody, like people would just pass on their clothing to us. My parents couldn't afford to get us new things from the stores. And so from a young age, I learned to associate like how God worked through other people, how God answered prayers through other people. Because when I went to church, I learned all the Bible stories. I love being in Sunday school. I had friends there. And parents always taught me to pray if there's anything that I needed. And thankfully, up to that point, like things are provided and everything was great. The biggest challenge I guess I had was going to school. As a little girl, very quickly, I've learned that I was not like my upbringing. My family wasn't the same as everybody else's. And my classmates took that as an opportunity to make fun of me, to bully me, uh, to basically nobody wanted to be friends with me because I believed in God, because I went to church. I was the only one in my entire class that actually went to church. And so that's the, that was kind of became very challenging part of my childhood. And many times I would come home crying, asking why I had to be so different, why mm. nobody wanted to be friends with me. And my parents would tell me that, like, if I wanted to follow Jesus, I might have to endure the same things that he endured when he was on this earth. And that I could see that God is more powerful than whatever was in the world, because in my family, there was no alcoholism. There was no abuse, because that's something that my classmates talked about. And so even though I was I was bullied, nobody wanted to be friends with me, but it still seemed like Jesus was a better choice. And <laughs> always, I guess, I kind of endured that until in fourth grade. I just really needed to belong. I needed community. I needed to have friends at school not just in Sunday school. And I prayed, announced God to give me friends at school and was obviously, uh, you know, trusted that God was going to answer my prayer immediately. And he didn't because <laughs> school started for another year and nothing changed. The situation was still the same, but God is never late with his answering prayers of children and people that believe in him. And so God was simply using that time to test my faith and to really show me that he's got better plans and he is able to do so much more than I could ever even imagine. And that winter, we received our first Christmas gift ever. And somebody yeah, from the other side of the world <laughs> who we didn't know, and obviously they didn't even know us. <laughs> they decided to pack an entire shoebox filled of so many beautiful, colorful things. And I remember that day still opening up that box and just being amazed that all of those things are actually for me and my family. And it's not just you know one thing. Like I would have been grateful for one thing and I would have shared that with my siblings and my neighbors and, you know, my friends at Sunday school, but it was an entire box of school supplies, hygiene items, toys, so many artistic things in it. And it was just one of those things that I couldn't keep to myself. And I ended up taking that box with me to school. Hmm. And for the first time in my life, 
as a little girl going to school, I actually had a gift that I could show to my classmates. And for the first time, instead of being, you know, sitting somewhere in the corner and crying that I didn't have a gift, I was surrounded by my classmates who all of a sudden wanted to be my friends. <laughs> Isn't that how it works? <laughs> um, and so since that point, I saw how God answered my prayers and made really my faith real because he was it, he wasn't just answering my parents' prayers or my grandparents, my friends. He actually answered my prayers, wow. and it really changed my life in school uh, to the extent and the point that I've never imagined it up to that point. And one of the exciting things that was in a shoebox was a box of eraser toppers which we've never seen before (laughs) but it was an entire box of them and so when we opened that box we figured out that it goes on top of a pencil and it was just that one unique thing that I was actually able to hand out to each of my classmates and every time that they used that pencil it was that constant reminder to them that this is like a token of our friendship I forgave them for the way they treated me forgave them for the bullying. And now anytime I I needed a friend, I had a friend, whether it is to walk home so that I'm not walking home for a whole kilometer by myself or even for like to sit at lunchtime, there's always plenty of, you know, friends that invited me to sit at their lunch table, which was not the case up to that point. After a short break, we'll be right back to talk even more about this. Well, it's so interesting. I've heard from so many of the others that I've talked to about the impact that these gifts have not only on the child that receives them, but also on, you know, their family and the community around them and so on. And And the way that you were able to share those erasers and actually use those as a bridge of relationship with the boys and girls in your class is pretty amazing. And I, it's a story that I haven't heard before. It's a, it's a, it's a way that God used this and reinforcing, I'm sure what your parents had told you and what you had seen modeled in them. And that is, you know, about prayer, like you alluded to, but but reinforcing that he cares about a little girl who's the oldest of eight in Ukraine. He sees you, he cares. And, you know, how impactful was that on your little heart? And And you alluded to this, but I really wanted you to kind of let everyone know, how did that reinforce your faith or impact your heart? It really became that tangible thing that I could touch, I could see that really showed me that God is, he's real, he cares. Even if his timing doesn't line up with our timing, he's, his plan is so much better than ours. And there wasn't, besides those like eraser toppers, there was other things in the shoebox that we were able to share actually with our neighbors and, you know, tell them about the love of Jesus and about love of somebody that is on the other side of the world that wanted to bless us. But then also there was a little box of crayons in my (laughs) shoebox. And that became one of those items that honestly has followed me in my life even to this day. Because ever since I was a little, yeah, ever since I was a little girl, 
I was very creative and my parents noticed that artistic talent and they encouraged me to draw and to paint. And at one point, when they exhausted all their resources, they found this art club in my city. And so they allowed me to go there. It was like every other day or so during the week, especially during summertime when all of my, <laughs> all of our neighbors and, you know, classmates were in uh, visiting their grandparents in the villages. Oh, yeah. We lived in the city. Uh, our grandparents lived in the city. And so I would just go to this art club. And so I learned to use gouache and acrylics. And when I was eight years old, I learned how to use oil paint. And so by the time I'm 10 years old, when I received the shoebox, I was kind of wondering, like, is there anything else out there? Something that could fuel my creativity? And unbeknownst to us, there shows up a box of crayon, which is so simple now when I think about it. But to us, it was just like so magical because we've never seen anything like it. We, well, my my siblings can still recall this story when we actually opened up that box of crayons. We tried comparing it to like other things. We tried to figure out what it is. It didn't look like a pencil or a marker. It's definitely not a paintbrush. I mean, that's all we knew for art supplies, basically. And so the only other thing that we knew that had wrappers and was colorful was candy. Oh, no. We ended up taking off the wrappers and eating it, thinking it's candy. Well, quickly figured out it's not. It's not very It's not candy. (laughs) It's not tasty at all. Um, So (laughs) we kind of set it aside until one of my little brothers made, you know, got his hands on it and just started creating masterpieces anywhere he could find space. (laughs) I'm sure you can relate to. We've had plenty of masterpieces on the wall. So since that point, I took that box of crayons and actually brought it back to my teacher in art club and asked her to teach me how to use it. And it was so interesting, but she's also never seen crayons before. So it was like this adventure. Yeah. And this was 2002. So it wasn't American things weren't widely available yet. And even if they were, it would would have been very pricey and just simply unattainable for us. So we've just never, you know, never seen it before. And it was one of those things that even when I came to United States with my family in 2004, I was 12 years old. I went to seventh grade in a public school in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. That's where our family immigrated to. And I did not know any English except for just a couple simple words. (laughs) But the only thing, so the bridge became like the art class uh, because I could understand when the teacher was showing us an example and showing us how to use different materials. That was one of the things that really helped me to get it, I don't know, like uh, just adjust to a new culture, adjust to a new lifestyle, figure, like learn the language. And at that time, crayons became my friends because that that was like the the new thing that I loved experimenting with. And it was interesting that actually one of the drawings that I made with my crayons was submitted to an art competition and was one of the finalists. Wow. So it's just interesting looking back that the first artwork that I was paid for was actually done with crayons. And and just like, honestly, God has a sense of humor because I would have never even 
I could have never imagined that. And that kind of fueled my creativity even more because somebody paid me for my work. So I just decided that I was going to be the artist. And I knew that God's just given me this special talent. And that's something that I can use for his glory. Wow. Because when I was, when I was 14 years old, already now living in the States, I just had this very strong conviction that I was a sinner. And I knew that from a very young age, obviously going to church and my parents told us that too. But I just kind of came to that point where I couldn't live as a sinner anymore. And one time at church, I answered the altar call um, and asked God to forgive my sins. And I promised that I was going to serve him in any way that I could. And for me, that became the turning point in my life because I wasn't afraid of dying anymore. And I just had this new drive and a new passion in my life to serve God. And I became, my parents even say that I became a much better daughter. I was more obedient and I was more gentle and patient with my younger siblings because I had to babysit a lot. (laughs) Um, And I just, at that point, I just thought that God was calling me to be a missionary and I didn't, I didn't know how that was going to happen. I had this talent, artistic talent that I knew God wanted me, I wanted to use, I guess, to serve God. And why would God give it to me if that's not something that he wants, you know, to have glory from? And so it was just kind of one of those things where I was trying to figure out what is, what is God's calling in my life? And when I went to college, I decided to, study art because that was just that was on my heart I couldn't imagine doing anything else and once I completed my education at University of Sioux Falls it turns out that God still had other ways of accomplishing his calling and his will in my life because being an artist just didn't seem to be possible there's really no such you know job title out there well, exactly. But it's it's so interesting, though, because, first of all, as, you know, Americans living when we do, the thought of someone not knowing what crayons is, is difficult to imagine because there's such little things here. But the impact, not just on you as a little girl, but you as a, you know, as a teenager, you the way that it helped you acclimate into a no, new culture, the way that God used that specific gift is pretty amazing. And it just, I've I've heard from so many who have received a shoebox, how there was always one little thing. Like I I talked to someone who had a snow globe or a a golden yo-yo and all of these little things that they actually held on to today that that have impacted their life so much. So, you know, I know your brother ate your crayons and used them all over the walls, but were you able to save anything from that shoebox? Um, and. So there is actually one thing that I still hold on to and it travels with me every day. Unfortunately, it's not a box of crayons uh, <laughs> that, that did not survive. Uh, I, think uh, I, did. <laughs> I think we did bring it with us, but it, it definitely did not survive until this day. But there's one thing that just goes with me everywhere is a picture of oh. the family that packed our shoebox. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, and, and that was another thing that was, God was just showing, or I guess when he answered my prayer, again, he answered through 
other people, just like he was answering the prayers of my parents. And so it was just another thing that God is honestly in the details because he was, he knew how to talk to me. He knew how to, you know, kind of make a point <laughs> in my life. And unfortunately, the family did not put their name on the picture. So I just have a picture of the family that packed our shoebox. And I'm just hoping one day I can find the people and be able to share my story and the impact that it had on me, on my family, on our neighbors. And honestly, even to this day, the impact that I've been able to have because of that shoebox and because of that answer prayer, I just, I honestly don't even, I can't even track the numbers because during that, you know, time when God was, when I was trying to figure out my calling and what is it that God wanted me to do with my life and how I could serve him with my life, that's when God revealed to me that he really wanted me to go back to college and get an education degree. Oh, and that's something I said I will never, ever do. <laughs> and after just like a year of really fighting it out and struggling, I kind of gave in. I'm like, okay, God, it's like you've you've been faithful to this point and you've had a plan and it's been so much better than anything I could have imagined. I'm sure you have a plan for this as well. And so sure enough, after I completed my education, I got a call from Cleveland, Ohio, which is 15 hours away. I've never been to Cleveland. And so it's just surprising that that's where God's calling me to. Because honestly, I've applied so many places for a teaching job and not a single call back except for Cleveland. And so I'm like, this must be it. And when I came to Cleveland, I quickly, it made sense. I didn't think I was fit for the job because it was an inner city and I didn't know even the concept of what inner city is. I always, even though I went to public school, it was definitely not what it is here in Cleveland. And so God decided to place me in the elementary and middle school teaching art. And so every single week, I had 520 students that I was directly able to impact with my story, with my love, with just compassion. And I was able to use the talent that God has given me on a much bigger scale than I imagined it to be. And so it's just very interesting how God knows our desires and uh, even when I thought I was going to be a missionary when I was 14 and became a Christian, a born-again Christian, God really made that happen. But in a different way, I didn't have to go to Africa. <laughs> I was a missionary right here in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, trust me, it was it was quite a battlefield. I had to pray so much, like every morning, all throughout the day, because I had such challenging students that were coming from challenging environments. And I was one of the people that they really learned to trust and respect. And at some point when it really got challenging, I was just able to pause class or even one-on-one -on -one share my story when I was a little girl and I was bullied and I was persecuted for my faith and I didn't have friends and how I struggled, but I had God in my life. And even though I was teaching in a public school, we had uh, Christian administrators who didn't oppose for the teachers to share their faith. 
if they wanted to. And so I was in this environment where I was actually welcome to share my faith. And it's something I never would have imagined happening in a public school, but God really made that happen. And he, in a way, redeemed my story uh, because I was able to help these kids and just see the difference that just God's love makes in someone's life. Yeah, that's that is amazing. I am I'm so thankful for the way that God works and the way that he leads his children and the way that he doesn't nothing that happens to us goes outside of his plan. He's able to redeem situations, to use them, to to make things new. And he is so good and so trustworthy because of that. And all of these truths are so good for us to pass on to our children and help reinforce their childlike faith by telling them and recounting these things. You know, we are running low on time, Maria, but before we go, what are some of the things that as you're out talking to to families, or as you're talking to individuals, that you really encourage them if they're going to get involved with Operation Christmas Child, what are some of the the strategies or the things that you really encourage them to put in the boxes or to think about as they are packing? I wish it was as simple as just, you know, having a formula, put this, 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 and then <laughs> you're good. But honestly, it's really that relationship with God. And anytime you pick up an empty box, the first thing that you should put in there is prayer. Because everything happens with prayer. That is a vehicle that makes things happen. And you don't even know the plans that God has for that box. And so when you pray for that specific empty box, God is able to tell you just the little details that you can include in the box. I know I always start out with putting the basics. I know that every child needs uh, paper, pencils, pens, coloring supplies. I know that every child needs a toothbrush, soap, a washcloth. So those are the basics that go in the shoebox no matter what. But anything on top of that is the fun part of (laughs) what is it that, you know, God really wants uh, to say with this box. Maybe somebody needs a soccer ball. Maybe somebody needs to put a doll in there. Maybe you need to put a deodorant stick in there. And they have a special story about that when I was able to go back to Ukraine on a mission trip and the missionaries were partners with OCC and we got to work with those students for a whole week. Uh-huh. At the end of the week when they received their shoe boxes, one little girl started just, everybody had something special in there, right? But one girl just started running around and showing the deodorant stick to everybody. And if you didn't know her, you would think, what the heck? You know, what's <laughs> happening with this? Why? Why is this deodorant stick so special? But I knew that girl because she was in my group and she struggled. She struggled with a medical condition that just had body order around her and it was hard for her to make friends. But now that she had that deodorant stick, she was able to kind of minimize that order and be like, it wasn't so off-putting being around her. So something as crazy as a deodorant stick might be, you know, God might want you to put in that shoebox. And honestly, anything else, I would encourage to put one of the, like whatever popular toy is out there right now, whether it's the fidget spinners, the yo-yos, the poppers, or you name it. When you go to a store, you're going to see probably a ton of them. Maybe that's an item that is also popular in a different country as well. And that's the item that that child might need to be able to fit in and or stand out or be able to make friends easier. I know a yo-yo was one of those things that I received in the box and ours was the one that lights up. 
uh, instead of just a regular yo-yo that all my classmates had. So it really just make it special, make it so personal, put a picture in there if you can, or at least, you know, just a sentence that God loves them, put your name in there. When we were in Ukraine, we were able to translate the letters to the kids. We were able to take a picture of the child with a box and, you know, send the picture through email or Facebook or Instagram. That way you can also, you know, kind of have feedback from that child. But that's kind of the fun part is what do you put in there? (laughs) Well, good. Well, you've given us a lot of great ideas. And so I hope that that you guys listening in have really been inspired by this. Maria, I am so grateful that you've joined us. Thank you so much. Absolutely. What a privilege. Thank you for having me. Well, you are welcome. To everyone else tuning in, thank you for hanging out with us today. I hope you've gotten some great ideas about what to put in your shoeboxes, but also I hope that your eyes have been open to the impact of your step of obedience, your little act with your kids of packing that shoebox, of praying about the child who is going to receive that. And then, you know, you may never know the side of eternity, how God uses it, but God will use it and you can count on that. One of the things that David and I are so grateful for with Operation Christmas Child is not only are they reaching all of these kids with a gospel presentation as they give them their gifts, show them that a very tangible representation of the fact that there is an even greater gift than this very colorful, beautiful shoebox, but they also, for so many of them, are able to work with them through a 12-week discipleship program where they are able to reinforce Jesus's love for them by telling them stories straight from God's word and helping them to actually get a better understanding of who God is and why he loves them so much and how he showed that through Jesus coming to earth to die for their sins. And so the way that you participate in this is, or the impact that you will have through participating with Operation Christmas Child is hard to overstate. So I encourage you, pack those shoe boxes. Go to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash OCC and you can learn all about when the National Collection Day is coming up and how you need to pack the boxes and where you can drop them off. All of those details can be found there. But whatever you do, grab your kids. We used to do it with ours. We'd go out. We had a whole night where the kids would pick out what they thought should go in those boxes. We had so much fun. And I'll tell you that for my kids picking out those things, It was a very personal thing. They were feeling like they knew the child who was going to get it because they were taking such care with what they were picking out to give to them. So this is a great ministry to partner in with your kids and help them get involved in evangelism and discipleship all around the world. I hope you have a great rest of your day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you for joining me today. It's my prayer that every episode of the Homeschooling Families podcast helps to strengthen your family by giving you biblical and practical ways to raise your children and educate them well. We'd love to engage with you more, so check out teachthemdiligently.net to find out about the resources and experiences we offer Christian homeschooling families like yours all year long. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and a whole lot more. Mm-hmm.